back. This is Jeff Morrow. Since July, we've talked to a number of, of uh, athletes and coaches and athletic directors in the Tri-Cities and surrounding areas. Today, we got a really good one, Dan Witsit. Dan is the athletic director and football coach at Tri-Cities Prep in Pasco. I've known Dan for a long time. He was the football coach of the Tri-Cities Fever back in 2005 and after leading the team to a national championship the first year. Uh, he's a huge rodeo guy. And so I got a number of questions for, for Dan. Uh, first off, Dan, welcome. Well, I appreciate it. Glad to be on. First things first, let's talk about something that was about the WIA. A lot of people might not know this, but the WIA executive board released something last night talking about pushing back sports, and now they're being pushed back to, to February 1st. What's your take on that, Dan? Well, I mean, it wasn't you know, a surprise. I am one of the WIAA rep assembly voting members. I, I got the information last night right after the executive board uh, meeting. But, you know, as each, there's nine districts throughout the state. We got presented with options the executive board came up with, and each district proposed their option of choice to go into the meeting with. And we knew winter was going to be out. We knew that December 28th date, start basketball uh, practices, was not going to happen because they ranked the sports, whether they're moderate, low, or high risk, and basketball is uh, labeled as a high-risk sport, and even a moderate-risk sport um, wasn't looking good for that December 28th timeline with all the increase in, in cases out in the public. And the governor coming out with new guidelines and, and pulling things back, getting rid of our indoor sports practices and, and uh, really just wasn't looking good. So the executive board's worked really, really hard. This has been extremely challenging, but they want everybody to have the opportunity to compete. And so they compressed the schedules once again and pushed us to February 1st to start that first season. So it, it's the right decision. With all the unknowns right now, it's it's extremely important to follow suit and make a new plan, and that's what they did. Do you see a potential where we, we get to a point where we keep having to push it back uh, even further that we just, at a certain point, we say we just can't have a certain sport? Yeah, I mean, that option was on the table as well, leaving it the way it was um, and eliminating the, the winter season, the first season. You know, but you you really hate to do that. We still got we still got one more last chance here to get everybody on the court and on the field, and uh, so that's the direction that they went. What do you see this whole situation doing to to the kids? So we we are in our twelfth week of uh, in person. Kids are in the school. Mm -hmm. We have not had any issues. We haven't had any kid-to-kid -kid cases or kid-to-staff cases or anything like that. We've uh, been very fortunate, and we have a really good model. And getting the kids in the building has, has been huge for their mental health. That's, that's, that's one step, right? And right. the next step the next step is getting them active and getting them out there and doing other things they love and actually, you know, exercising and, and, and being healthy. We were able to start that process with this open season and we started with uh, we started decided to start with volleyball and football, and we were going to go till the end of this week and then switch over to basketball. Uh, those volleyball girls were never happier. You know, my football guys are on cloud nine, and you know it's limited, it's restricted. We're following all the guidelines, all that, and you know they're loving it. And 
volleyball got shut down and devastated girls just devastated and and, you know really really had to help them through that process you know um they're they're extremely disappointed and then also knowing a lot of those volleyball girls were just about ready to switch over to basketball next week and that's not going to happen now so it's tough it's tough and uh, you know you really as an ad and a coach you really got to you know, you got to be there for them and you got to, got to try to keep them positive and, and control what you yeah. can, um, and, uh, keep their, try to keep their spirits up and play psychologist and, and not only with the players, but the coaches too. I mean, I'll tell you You're what, right. when we got out there that those first three days, when we finally got back out on the football field, I was as sore as the players. It's been a while, you know, it, it's been a <laughs> <Yeah>. while. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, you, that's one of the things you, you, you live in, in Britain Eve is, is football yourself. You, 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 I know you love being a football coach. So I I was wondering how that, that was this lack of, I mean, you get some football stuff out there, right? Like you just said, but I mean, just this lack of not having a a complete football season this year, what's that done to you? It's very strange, very strange. And I was thinking about this earlier today, you know, we probably got out, go all the way back to world war two you know before before my time my entire life i've never had my schedules and routines interrupted you know all through high school it was football basketball baseball college baseball you know here you know coaching high school football you know that that year-round routine has never been interrupted and here we are in unprecedented times and everything's interrupted and nothing's the same. Mm-hmm. And at first it was, well, you know, everybody can use a little break and uh, a real reset button, but now we're way past that. We're way past the reset button. You know, yes. you realize how much you do love it when you can't do it, you know, and right. when it gets exactly. taken away out of your control and man, I'll tell you what I miss. I miss it like crazy. And especially I'm in the kid business. You know, I'm in the kid business and being around the kids and face to face with the kids and teaching the kids and coaching the kids. That's what I do. And that that drives me. You know, everything's different now and it's much more difficult. And even though we got students in the building, we're still social distancing and and wearing our mask and one way hallways and, you know, all that stuff. And it's, it's different. You cannot make the same impact. What do you think the reason is that you haven't had any cases? Exactly what is the key, do you think? Uh, diligence. First of all, you got to follow the guidelines or you're not going to be successful. And, and when, when, I'm, when I say that is if we're following the guidelines and we get a case, we can say that case did not transfer to another student. That case did not transfer to another staff member. And here's why. Because they were never within six feet of that person. They were never without a mask. We got proper ventilation in the school. We keep mm-hmm. all doors open. We don't allow kids to, to touch the, you know, doors and door handles. Um, you know, high high contact area. We kind of get rid of most of it for them. We're paperless. You know, they're all on their device. They pack it all with them. You know, we get, got rid of, you know, any and all furniture that, is inviting to touch or, or sit on, you know, mm-hmm. outside of their, their assigned desk. They stay in their groups, their class pods. They rotate together. We got one-way hallways. They eat lunch in their, in their classrooms from their assigned spot. And uh, it took about two weeks, you know, 
it's quite the quite the scenario when you have to train 200 <laughs> kids. This new way of doing things, they have a lifetime of habits and a lifetime of in- instincts. You know that you you got to break down and you got to say, huh, you can't do that. You've been doing that your whole life. You can't do that anymore. You know this is going to be different. And our kids really responded, and they responded because they want to be here. They they don't want it to fail. They don't want it not to work. They want to be in school. And they've taken it very seriously. We've been very, very proud of our kids. Let's talk about when we do get back. Do you foresee there being no fans in the stands? Yeah, I really do. Um, yeah. You know, we'll probably fall, probably fall suit with the, uh, you know, one family member, maybe two. Yeah. Okay. You know, social distance. I know all the schools, all the districts we've been, we've been really looking at being able to get viewing opportunities of our football and basketball games to people from their home. We're looking at a couple companies that mount the cameras in the gyms. And so people, you know, grandma and grandpa can stay home, get a subscription, pay $5, watch the game right from their home. And, and they can still see their grandson or granddaughter out there playing and they're not going to miss their games entirely. Some leagues are going in as, as a league combined to, to do it um others uh are are doing it individually and uh, i think a majority of the schools will have those camera systems in place so you'll be able to uh watch football games basketball games from home no that sounds great parker and i have talked about this before where you know it's just does it come to a point where there's pushback from people say though this these are my kids i want to see them play it right at right. the ball game, and and so is is it you know are, are we going to have to try to fight that, or are we just going to say look, if these kids are going to get anything played, they've got to do it with hardly anybody in the stands. So that that makes yeah. a lot of sense. You're looking at your uh, the East, Eastern Washington Athletic Conference, and and there's some new uh, members in the conference. You have 13 teams this year. So I like the lineup. How, what do you feel about it? Oh, I, I love it. You know, I when I started this conference five years ago now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was because the Southeast Conference was dissolving. We were down to three 2B teams and everybody else was 1B. And, you know, we had to go out and get seven non-league football games, you know, and, and it, it was a tall task. Uh, and it was as well as the other sports, um, getting all those non-league games filled. filled. But bringing these, uh, these six 1As in, you know, the school and the athletic programs in, but we got quality athletic directors at these schools. Exactly. I, you know, we got, we got some of the best ADs from, from the SEAC that are coming in and great, great to work with. I, I've kind of felt, you know, for a while, we had a lot of young newer ADs in the EWAC and the, in the, the existing group. And we had a, quite a bit of turnover and, you know, as president, I was feeling a little alone up there on top for a while. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> this, you know, this, this expansion, um, and, and a little burnout too, you know, I'm, I might say, but, yeah. uh, this expansion has, has helped that so much. And, and we got quality ADs, uh, everybody's good at something, if not, uh, multiple things. And, uh, we're able to split up the workload and, uh, get a lot done and, and really make right. this a quality conference. So I'm pretty excited. I really, I really like the threesome of of you guys in Burbank and Riverview, right, just right here in the Tri Cities. That's that's gonna oh, make for some really, really good competition against all three of you guys. 
You know, absolutely. Uh, us and Burbank already have become kind of, you know, rivals, right. you know, and it, it, and it's funny, like, uh, being as close, we just, we struggled pairing up in non-league games over the years, and we never, I mean, the first time we played in football was after they joined our conference, you know, and and, and yeah. it wasn't without effort. We tried to, to match up, and, and same with Riverview, and we did in certain sports at times, but you know, we should have been playing each other in everything, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. kind of like I, uh, Kai B and us, we decided, hey, we're going to be the, each other's first non-league game every year, you know, in volleyball and basketball. Right. And, and we, just, we just made that decision and went with it. And with Riverview coming in and, and Burbank coming in and, and playing Kai B non-league, man, we're getting them all covered now. So I really yeah. like it. And, and it's really good for the kids. Let's go back real quick to to football, the workouts that you guys have been having. I, I imagine you, you were in, in smaller pods at the time. What have you been able to accomplish with these workouts right now? Quite a bit, actually. Um, yeah, we're in pods. We're outside. You know, we're we're pretty much naturally social distance. We run air raid, man. We're, we're social distance the whole time. We're on offense. And we social distance from the defense as much as possible, too. You know? <laughs> there you go. There but, you go. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not wearing helmets. We're not in gear. You know, and, and most of that was by design to, you know, remind them there's no contact. And, you know, kid running around without a helmet is, is not going to, he's likely not going to let instincts take over and do something dumb. So <laughs> I just yeah. felt it was better keep the helmets off them, keep the gear off them because there's, there's no contact. Uh, everybody wears gloves, yeah. the entire, entire team. They wear their mask um, unless, you know, we're doing actual conditioning and conditioning they're right. all spread out they're they're almost 15 feet apart more more so so but we've been able to come out and and really do a lot of things fundamentally we've, we've been able to come out and and really get the receivers going with their footwork get the uh, running backs i mean there's so many drills that you can do to get these guys in shape first of all they had to you know, they had to get in shape a little bit. And uh, yes. it had been a while since a lot of them have done a lot of stuff. And they've tried to do things on their own, but it's not the same. And no, so we, we're doing no. We are able to do some strategic walkthroughs. We're able to do some install stuff. We can spread out, you know, throw the football all over the place like we love to do. The kids are having a blast, you know. The hardest part is alignment. I would say it's easy. It's easier with the skill guys. The hardest part is alignment, mm-hmm. but because the weight room's closed, you know, we got our tractor tires out there. We got our heavy sled. You know, we're doing a lot of agility stuff with them and a lot of uh, workout farmer walks and, and things like that with them outside. And, and they're still getting their footwork stuff in. They're getting their EDDs in, you know, because you can't have contact. You know, right. it's pretty tough to pass rush against air, you know, so... We have gotten creative. We we developed a uh, a pass rush dummy, and you know some stuff like that to to give them a little little more work. That's that's a little deeper, but uh, but they're getting great workouts in, and they're loving it. A lot of people listening may not realize it, but you came in after the original coach Craig Beverlin was fired for the Tri Cities Fever that very first year when inter- indoor football was was introduced to the Tri Cities. What's really cool is you ended up getting to host the championship that summer. I remember it was on boat race weekend, too. Of all the weekends to be, it was on boat race weekend. But that place was just a madhouse that night. The the people were hanging from the rafters in in the Toyota Center, which was then the Tri-Cities Coliseum. 
What do you remember most about that season? First of all, I was on the staff from the very beginning. I was special teams coach, and I, and I actually brought a lot of the players in. I had three to four years prior, I had already been involved with indoor arena football and specifically the NIFL, and I was placing college players into the league. Man, I'll tell you what, what it was just an absolute whirlwind. So the, the adversity was incredible because my very first game, our quarterback broke his wrist and he's the only quarterback we had on the roster. We didn't have anybody that even played quarterback in high school. Started having conversations and we had the boys from Louisiana that had played with Doug Coleman who had retired, but uh, we called him up anyway. And, you know, after a few conversations, talked him into coming out and joining the team. So uh, we had you know, three or four losses there early on. And then, uh, we ran off, I think, seven, eight wins in a row to finish the year out. Um, yep. And and uh, got the last spot into the playoffs. So we had to go on the road at Everett, like you said, amazing. Drew Dunning, last second field goal. As, as time expired, we beat Sam Adams, bought and paid for Everett Hawks. Um, <laughs> the best game in the league, talent for talent by far. And uh, And we knocked them off. And they were undefeated at the time and then we had to go down to odessa texas and odessa was undefeated and mm -hmm. 16 and 0 and sullivan beard intercepted the ball in the end zone to seal that win in the last seconds and we beat them we got to host rome and and that was crazy um you know yep. standing room only i just remember the very next morning being on the on the boom with michael mcdonald at boat races <laughs> yeah we uh, we faced so much adversity throughout. I mean, we were winging it. We were first-year franchise, yeah. you know, Terry Carr, J.R. Carr. They were just amazing, bringing that product to us and and, uh, and pushing through that first year. And and uh, literally, you know, we show up in New Jersey. We, you know, we'd show up uh, Beaumont, Texas, you know, Billings. I mean, we traveled everywhere, it seemed yeah. like. And uh, we really didn't know what we were doing. To win that championship is unbelievable. Tell me about your summer rodeo. I'm president of Rascal Rodeo for special needs, and typically we have a 15 rodeo season every summer, and, and a lot of it's in the Columbia right. River circuit. And I, I go to about 21, 22 rodeos a year, including the NFR. And uh, and our rodeo got invited to the NFR last year and this year Good. in Fort Worth, so I'm supposed to head down to Fort Worth December 8th. This year, all the all the rodeos in Oregon, Washington, Idaho were getting shut down because of COVID. I started doing some checking. I've always wanted to go to the Prescott and Picos, the two that claim to be the oldest rodeos ever, and started making arrangements to do that over the summer. And then come to find out Picos shut down, and then Prescott pulled the reins back and only allowed a certain number of fans, changed everything. And so my plans changed to... Deadwood, South Dakota, Days of 76 Rodeo, which was phenomenal. And then Dodge City, Kansas, right after that. And wow. both areas were, were open, you know, um, no limit in seating and all that. And then uh, headed across to uh, eastern Colorado, and I went to Kit Carson Rodeo. I uh, was able to uh, head up to Wyoming and really take in Wyoming with time on my hands, you know, and, and, and even though Cheyenne was canceled for the year, I got to 
go to Cheyenne when nobody was there and walk out in the arena and really take it all in. And, and that was a neat experience. Wow. And then of course I went to Laramie and university of Wyoming and got to, got to talk to the football staff there and then headed across, went through Yellowstone and then came out to uh, all the way across to Idaho from, from the past, but then went back to Montana and went to Dillon. I, I went about 7,500 miles through nine states. Gosh, almost one of my best summers ever. <laughs> Favorite place to eat in the Tri-Cities? Country Mercantile. Favorite rodeo? Stone Roundup. Favorite rodeo event? Steer wrestling. Favorite food at a rodeo? Well, at the Pelham Roundup, you can actually get a plate of chopped beef. And they, they pull it right off the skewer, and you can put something on it if you want, barbecue or whatever, but they give you a plate of chopped beef. Movie theater or Netflix? Netflix. Offense or defense? That's a funny one because I called the defense all last year, and <laughs> I'm now in love with defense. Yeah, that's a tough one now. I, lo- I love them both. I love I love the game of football. Favorite offensive play? Uh, White Cross. It's a passing play in the air raid offense. Favorite non-football or non-rodeo sport? Well, I was a baseball guy forever. I'm going to say baseball, I, but I do like NASCAR. Although, <laughs> hey, this is this has been a fun little conversation with you. I, I really enjoy it. It's a lot, I mean, we could have kept going for another hour or so, I bet, because uh, mm-hmm. We both like talking sports, so I want to thank you so yep. much today for, for being on this, Dan. You bet. You bet. My pleasure.